Hey, you found it. Welcome. Welcome to episode 25 of the Excellency Fiddlesticks podcast. Um, I know I've been saying other episodes are milestones, but 25 is a milestone. 25 is a big one. That's, uh, what is that? Silver? Gold? What is it? I don't know. Uh, 25 episodes, that's a lot, and I appreciate um, people who are sticking with me through the last couple episodes. I've seen a couple of weird technical problems uh, on, on the site's where I'm hosting and, and then the host with it, with the, the blog link is. Uh, just some weird things going on where I couldn't get the feed to work properly. Uh, eventually I figured it out and got things working again and the, and the people who wanted to hear it were able to hear it again, so that's good. Like I said, if you if you like the show, please tell a friend and let spread the word. Let people know because I'm not getting any money out of this when I'm having some fun, so that's all it is. This, this episode, um, again, some good reactions last episode to the, the fake movie trailer we made for Bo Peep Bloodlust. Enjoyed making that. Glad to hear people dug it. That's what it's all about. Uh, there may be another processed comedy bit somewhere in this episode. You just have to wait and see, because who knows where I'm going next with that. Also in this episode, as I was recording, and I listened, I was thinking about something. I mentioned a, a a person, and I refer to that person as Black. And, and you know, I've noticed lately, you know, lately, the last few years or so, people tend to say everything is African American, and I don't understand that. Why? What's wrong with Black? I've always said black. People I know say I'm a black guy. I, I don't get it. That's what I do. So I, I don't understand. We're, we're getting too sensitive in what we call each other. I mean, I'm I'm a white guy. I don't call myself an Irish American because I'm not even sure that's what I am. But I think you know, if you if you broke down my my ethnicity, I guess the majority would be Irish. But I don't consider myself an Irish American. I'm an American. That's what I am. I was born here, and I happen to have white skin, which isn't really white. It's sort of a off peachy, you know cream coffee type thing. I don't know what it is, but it's the, that's what I'm calling. That's the box I check when I'm filling out a sense form. Anyway, whatever you want to call yourself, who gives a shit? Have fun. Enjoy the show. So, I'm in the train the other day, and uh, the train comes to a stop. It would stop at a station, which I'm not getting off at. So I'm just sitting there, you know, look out the window, and we happened to be right at the part of the platform where there was uh, some advertising. Right, happens. Well, you see advertisement all over the train um, station platforms, what have you. And this ad was for um, an organization, an HIVtest.org, which you know, hey, it's pretty important, right? Let's you know, let's avoid getting HIV. Get yourself tested so you're not out there spreading it amongst the population. But the ad itself, now I didn't know this at first. I just saw the ad. And of course, you're drawn to it. You're looking at it. It's a fairly close-up shot. Maybe say from you know, mid, uh, mid pectoral muscle up of a, of a man. Uh, he's in, he looks to be in bed, right? He's sitting, looks to be sitting on the edge of a bed. Uh, he's a black man, which normally I wouldn't think matters, but in this case it probably matters a lot. Stay with me. Uh, in the background, blurry, you see what I'm guessing is his woman. Could be his wife, probably. You know, I'm not, not going to make any assumptions on it. But it's clearly, it's a woman... And he's sharing a bed with, and, you know, she looks to be sleeping. Um, even though she's blurry, you can kind of figure all this out. He's awake, and he's got a troubled look on his face. And in big letters, the uh, the text to the ad, the biggest letters of the, of the text say, in big letters, I'm not gay. Well, congratulations. Thank you very much. What, what does this have to do with anything? I'm not gay. Go on to the next sentence, though. Slightly smaller font now. But I have male partners. Alright, if I had a needle scratch sound effect, I'd play it right now. I'm not gay, but I have male partners. Hmm. Uh, 
goes on to say she doesn't know. Well, obviously, because I think if she knew, she wouldn't be sitting there in the same time in the bed with you. I think you'd be out on your ass, to, you know, paying her alimony, whatever. I'm not gay, but I have male partners. I think that makes you gay. No, not to you know, not splitting hairs here to put you find a point on it. But if you if you are out exchanging bodily fluids with other people of the same gender as yourself. That makes you at least partly gay. Now, in this case, maybe, since it looks like you may have just had a a roll in the hay with your woman, maybe you're bi. But you're at least partially gay, okay? I don't understand if this is a thing, and I've I've heard things in the the black community where uh, being gay is the worst thing you could possibly be. I didn't think in 2013 we still had that stigma, but maybe this ad looks like it was clearly aimed at maybe at black men. And maybe being a black man who is openly gay is either you're totally out and about, flamboyantly out there like RuPaul, or you're, you know, in the closet. Or maybe it's one of those things where he's, he's the kind of person who says, uh, you know, I'm not gay, but the guy blowing me, he's gay. I, he's the gay one. I, you know, I'm just, I'm, yeah. Uh, you're only as gay as the, as the guy who's, uh, you know, you're penetrating apparently, but uh, you're, you're gay. Sir, you know, that, that should be the first conversation you have with your wife. Then, after you drop that bomb on her, uh, that you're cheating on her with other guys, and if she, if she hasn't, after you've picked her up off the floor, after she's collapsed, then you can spread it to her that I'm going to go get HIV tested. And maybe that's how you soften the blow and say, hey, no, you know, but at least I'm going to go get tested. So that's a good thing. Uh, either way, the, the ad campaign absolutely just, just floored me. I couldn't believe I actually saw that. And, um, you know, good luck to these people with this. I hope maybe this ad will reach people, and if it reaches one person who convinced them to get tested, and uh, one woman who doesn't, you know, threaten to beat her head, man over the head with a rolling pin after hearing it, then it's done its job. Time once again for the return of an old feature, which we haven't done probably since episode maybe one or two. I thought this would be a recurring thing, and it would be something there'd be a lot of um, material for, but it turns out there really hasn't been that much. Uh, the, the segment, segment, I'm sorry, is of course called Get Off My Lawn, and this is where let's backtrack a little bit. Um, print, as we know it, seems to be slowly dying. I mean, even last week another newspaper, the Boston Phoenix, folded. Um, seems like not too much time goes by before you hear about another another print publication either struggling or cutting staff or relocating buildings and trimming down staff, whatever, and, and folding up, whatever. It's, it's a rough time for print over the last 20 years since, obviously, since the internet showed up. But that doesn't stop a small group of people who um, still cling to print. I think um, I'm, I'm referring probably to older people who, who get most of their news from either television and or a newspaper. Um, maybe less likely to have adopted the internet to use for information purposes. And I, you know, I still get a newspaper. Uh, not every day, but occasionally a few days a week we get a newspaper delivered to the house still. Uh, I still, like I said, I like having... The tangible item in my hand. Sometimes when I'm like if I'm eating breakfast or something like that, I can look over some some sports scores, knowing of course that what you're reading is now not up to the minute. We become sort of spoiled by that. We know that when we click on a, on a website uh, like a CNN or an ESPN or something of that nature, you're getting up to the minute news, and it's, we've become accustomed to that. But my favorite part of the paper, not necessarily the up to the minute breaking news, which just doesn't really exist. It's the uh, op-ed sections. And in most op-ed sections on several several days a week or one or two days a week, they will run a letters to the editor page. And this is where the get-off-my-lawn comes in because the, get a, the, the letters to the editor page 
seems to attract a certain group of people. And I've noticed over time, it's, it's sad that I've noticed a lot of the same names keep appearing. They have a rule, I think, you can, it can only appear once a month. You can only have one letter printed a month. And I see the same names pr- pretty much on a monthly basis in this letter. So my image of these people who, who take the time to write a letter to, and fire it off, to, angry letter to the editor of their local newspaper, the kind of person who's probably sitting in their window, um, looking out at the neighborhood, got the phone in his hand, his or her hand, I should say. He's dialed nine. He's dialed one, and he's just waiting for a reason to dial that next one so we can report your ass and do something. These people are angry. In most cases, they're pretty angry. And this week's letter is no exception. It's a classic. It's short. It's sweet. It's to the point. Actually, it's to several points. Um, let's just go get with the letter. Its letter is entitled, and I should say the titles of the letter are not determined by the by the writer. I know because I once wrote a letter to this, to this newspaper many years ago, um, and... I got into an argument with the guy with the title he chose for my for my letter, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, you write the letter, they put a title on it, and the title to this letter is called Back Off, with an exclamation point. Back Off. Editor. And she starts. Is it she? Maybe it's a she. Uh, it is a she. That's, I won't give her a name, obviously, but it's a she. She says, how can people drive at night or in the rain without their lights on? Pretty damn good question. How do you do that? How do you drive? And this is me talking. How do you drive at night without your lights on? Keep on preaching on, sister. Can't they tell it's not light enough? Exactly. What the hell's the matter with these people? But she's not done. The letter, another paragraph starts. Back off, please! Okay, I'm not really sure what back off has to do with me not having my lights on, but I'll go on. Go ahead. This is what I would like to say to people in checkout lines. So she's completely changed gears here. She's gone from the first two sentences about... Turn your fucking lights on at night when I'm driving or when it's raining because that's, you know, the law jackass. Completely flipped it to a, a whole other smash cut to this scenario where she's in a checkout line. And apparently people in the checkout line are cramping her style because she's telling them, back off. She does say please, which is nice. Back off. Uh, that's what I like to say to people in checkout lines. Don't crowd the person ahead of you who is checking out. Wait until they're done. And if she were on stage right now and she was a rapper, at this point, she'd drop the mic. Because that's it. She's done. Drop the mic. I'm done. Uh, don't crowd the person ahead of you who is checking. Yeah. You know what? Give me some room. I know they have those little, those little uh, triangular, look like Toblerones, little dividers to separate my shit from your shit on the books. Because that's your biggest fear at the grocery store, isn't it? That somehow your stuff's going to get mixed in with the other guy's stuff. And he's going to make off with your can of kidney beans or some such. I don't know. But they have a clearly delineated barrier between me and you. This is my shit. That's your shit. Don't mix it up. And while you're there, back the fuck up. That's what she's saying. Back off. I hope to God I get near this woman in, in a supermarket someday. Because if she lives she lives similar in a similar town to me, very close to me, um, who knows? Maybe I've encountered her at some point because I've had people scowl at me in line. And if it's you, believe me, lady, I will back off from now on. So... Duly noted. And also, I remember as I'm driving there uh, to keep my lights on because, derp, you know, keep your lights on, asshole. And now, with an EF News Brief, I'm Gurren Blanston. A small, unidentified, eight-legged creature was seen scurrying across the stage at a recent concert by pop sensation Kesha last night. According to several witnesses from the first few roads of the Akron Civic Arena, the being fell to the ground with considerable force, shook itself, then sped off the stage to the singer's left. Its whereabouts are currently unknown, and a tip line has been established in an effort to locate the beast. The witnesses were unable to determine when asked if the object fell off of the singer or emanated from within her. 
Kesha, who declined comment, appeared to shrug off the incident and continued her performance. Pope Benedict XVI, now known as Pope Emeritus, helicoptered off into retirement last week, the first such retirement of a pope in nearly 600 years. The 85-year-old former pontiff will settle at Castle Gandolfo in Vatican City for the remainder of his days. Unnamed Vatican sources tell EF News that the former church leader had considered retiring to the United States in a luxury condominium in Florida, however decided against it after discovering that, quote, the place was absolutely crawling with Jews. A powerful earthquake measuring a staggering 9.3 on the Richter scale rocked the tiny island nation of Tongruvia this morning, causing it to separate into tiny, indistinguishable pieces. Cartographers around the world are working feverishly to update all maps worldwide, and in the interim, people have been encouraged to simply color over the island with a blue sharpie until new maps and globes, indicating the new topography, or lack thereof, can be produced and distributed. A local man is celebrating a controversial victory in the online game Words with Friends last night. The man, who plays under the username Studman69, stunned and repulsed his opponent on his final move by playing the word Twatwaffle, which was worth 65 points and enabled the 324-322 victory. His opponent, Missy29865544, will reportedly contest the word and thus the result, and the possibility of the rematch is still in question. More on this story as it develops. Finally tonight, our poll results from last week are in. The question, as you will recall, was if Harry of Harry Styles, excuse me, of pop group One Direction, got into a brawl with Justin Bieber, each armed with only a baseball bat, who would win? The results were surprising. 23% of you chose Harry Styles, 24% chose Bieber, while 54% stated that we, the public, would be the ultimate winners. Interesting indeed. This week's poll question, what is the deal with this crazy weather? For EF News... I'm Gurren Blanston. Good night. Time again for another feature that we that we introduced in the last episode, and this was the Fiddle Six Comedy Corner. And because it's Comedy Corner, both of those words, traditionally spelled with C's, start with K's. Because that's just the way it wacky the way we do things around here. Uh, if you remember last week, um, the 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 object of this lesson was to help out some stand-up comics who are just getting started. You know, give out the new kids, give them something to work on, give them an idea, maybe the ger- the germination of an idea that they can sort of run with and expound upon and uh, help them build up a couple of a couple of killer minutes to get themselves started at a local comedy club, try that at, at an open mic or whatever. Uh, the first idea we gave was uh, airline food. If you remember airline food, because, hey, what is the deal with airline food anyway, right? It sucks. It's crappy. Uh, and we you know, went along those lines and gave you, the young comedians, a good start. And I hope a lot of you started to use that and, and starting to build an actor on that because it's it's gold. But we're not done. Uh, there's more to come for that. As a matter of fact, um, round two of that this great little feature is going to help you out is going to start right now. What's the next one? Here it is. You ready? You writing this down? Again, if you're a kid, um, you're probably on the interwebs. You don't have to write anything down anymore. You just record this. But if you're an old school guy, get the pen and paper ready because here it goes. Men and women. They're different. Men do things one way. Women do things a different way. Think of all the comedic possibilities you can have. When you sit constantly in an act, compare a man doing something and a woman doing something. For instance, at a movie, men like to watch movies where shit blows up. Women like to watch movies where people fall in love. You see where I'm going with this? There's a huge difference. It's almost as if men were from one planet and women were from another planet. And I've just given you a 
mind blown. That's another idea you've got right there. But you could go on for hours and hours about all the wonderful differences between men and women. Because, let's face it, we're clearly different species. Am I right, guys? Huh? So take that, go with it. Um, if you listen to me, I'll talk on more and more on about men and women and the things the way that are different. And there's plenty of things you can get to go to help build your act. So you've already got the airline food from last week. Now you've got the men and women differences. You see what we're doing here? We're building a big smash quality five to ten minutes. You're gonna be you're gonna take this on to Leno, you're gonna take this on to Kimmel, you're gonna take it on Fallon, Leno, wherever you want to go. And you're gonna be able to take this and run with it. And trust me, you will be a star. I, I'm giving this out for free, which I think is just maybe really stupid of me. Maybe I'm just so damn charitable that I feel this has to be given out this knowledge because I could probably package this into some sort of infomercial um, you know package system where I have to sell it online or I could sell it in infomercials and I could sell it for $99.95, a 6-DVD set. No, I'm giving it to you for free. Why? Because I care. I care about the future of comedy. I want you young comedians to get out there and kill it and knock them dead. So take this, go with it, and please let me know how you do. Time for this week's parting shot, where, as you know, I recommend something to you which I think is pretty cool. And I hope maybe you will too. Violent Femmes, uh, the, uh, the band that came out in the early 80s from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. First of all, with a name like Violent Femmes, you expect, well, then you would have expected a bunch of angry young ladies. Not true. Three guys from Milwaukee, led by 19-year-old Gordon Gano, songwriter and lead singer. Uh, to say that when that album came out that there was something you'd never heard before, it's almost a cliche now to say, this band I just heard sounds like no one I've ever heard before, because... We're getting to the point now where it's really hard to hear something like that because so many things are derivative of so many other things. But in this case, when hearing about the Femmes, it's, it was definitely true. I mean, and to most people, um, the first thing you hear about when you think of the Femmes, you think of you think of this. That, of course, is "Blister in the Sun," the lead-off track to their debut album, and probably the most popular song the group has. That entire album is, again, is another one I keep going back to this point. This is an album that I bought. Um, it wasn't being played on the radio, at least not in this part of the country where I'm from. And I bought that album, uh, I want to say sight unseen, but it was a year unheard. I'd never heard it before. But I'd heard so many good things about it that I decided to buy it. And when you drop the needle on the record in 1983, and that's the first thing you hear, you're, you're hooked right away. It's such a great song. It's such a great melody. and it's. But then they start doing the whispering part, which is kind of weird. You never heard a guy whisper before in a song like that. And things about staining his sheets and whatnot. And as you go on through the record, you hear a lot of other weird things about um, a guy who wants to maybe have sex with his own mother. And a lot of other strange topics. But for me, the song that really... Uh, the best song on the album, in my opinion, my favorite song, the song that got to me, the song that to this day, nearly 30 years later, I still don't get tired of. Uh, if I can play it, if I hear pops up, if it comes up on a shuffle in iTunes, I'm right there, man. I can't, I can't not listen to this song. It's one of my favorites of all time. It's Gone, Daddy, Gone.
Now, the thing about Going Daddy Gone, and put this whole album, especially this song, into context of the time it was released. In 1983, uh, you were thinking, okay, there was this, this new music movement, and I used air quotes when I said new music. Basically, new music encompassed anything that wasn't uh, classic rock, which was dominated probably through most of the 70s, and um, sort of post after the post-punk new wave movement of the late 70s, right? you had this new thing where you had a lot of bands, pretty much anything that was from England and had a synthesizer was going to at least get a shot to be heard in America, because that's all they wanted to hear. They were scarping up every band that... that like I said, look, had a good look to them, thanks MTV, looks were now important. If you had synthesizers in your band, so much the better. And if, again, cute English boys ate it up. So all those bands were getting a shot. So you've got this record competing against the likes of, you know, Culture Club and Spandau Ballet and Duran Duran. And then you've also got like things like the Stray Cats playing their rockabilly. You've got still got punk running around, like X is still a big thing, you know, Dead Kennedys. All this stuff sort of a mishmash and moving around at the same time. And when you drop this record in the middle of that, it literally was like nothing like it, right? The band was so simplistic. You had basically uh, the drummer, Victor DiLorenzo, played what amounts to what they called a transophone. It was basically a, a wash basin over a snare drum. The bass player, Brian Ritchie, played a big acoustic bass, and Gano played basically a, like an like a electric guitar, Stratocaster, or whatever. No, no synthesizers, not even a keyboard. They did have a xylophone, which was not something you heard too much uh, in the new wave or new music movement at the time. But this song just did everything for me. It was a, it's a great pop song. If you think about it, he's just singing about a girl, and uh, the, you know, the love has gone away. It's, it's another one that the girl got away. Gano wrote a lot of great angsty-type lyrics about... Uh, he was just Remember, he's just a kid. Mostly about lost love. Uh, famously, that, that bitch took my money and when she went to Chicago was one of the lines in one of the songs. And if this song, just he goes on and on about things like this. Um, this They made a video for this song. This should have been the hit single. In a, in a perfect world, this song is at the top of the charts. At the same time, David Bowie's Let's Dance is at the top of the charts. Nothing against Bowie. Um, I can't say that was probably one of his greatest releases. But this song deserved to be heard. This is the thing that always gets me about music is that it's, there's so much good stuff out there that never gets heard. You know what I mean? And this, it took this album, I think, like 18 years to finally go platinum, right? It, it went platinum, I think, in 2001 or something like that. It took a long time for this record to actually um, to actually get noticed and, and get widespread appeal. The band went on to do a bunch of other things after this, and they, they had a nasty breakup because, ironically, the Blister in the Sun song was actually sold to Wendy's and uh, used in a Wendy's commercial, and it's so sad to hear that. But they got back together um, in January. They're just announcing they're going to re- reunite for um, for this year's Coachella Festival. So if you're a fan of this group, you know, in April, coming up pretty soon, you might get a chance to see them again. Um, but to me, they will probably always be remembered best for this song and that album, and um, just, just love them. And that's the parting shot for this week. Uh, enjoy... Whatever you're doing after you listen to the show, uh, remember if you want to t- if you want to contact the show, you have the email address xfiddle e x f i d d l e at gmail.com. Leave a comment on iTunes if you want to. iTunes enjoys that. I think that'll help if the can help generate ratings or generate some sort of uh, buzz around the show. Do that. You know, share the link. Tell a friend because the more people who can hear my uh, silly voice, the better, right? Or you can follow me on Twitter. At Bish24, uh, we'll hear just amazing, amazing bits of comedy musings and, um, and other assorted crap. So uh, until next time, adios.